Brought to you by Soul Fire Productions. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. I am your host, McLean McGowan, and we are in March. We are steadfast in moving through spring on into summer, and it's truly wild that all of this portal of time, it's been a year now. I mean, that is really wild. It's something I'm sitting with. What is time anyway? You know, this year really has really drove that home that what we consider time or how we view time or how we put labels on time and, you know, tied up in pretty little bows and put it in boxes. It's really irrelevant, you know? I mean, the construct of time. I mean, I understand why we have a clock and why we do the things we do. And it's really shown this past year how it's truly not linear. We try to make time this very static, stable thing, and it's just not. So um, it's been a year. You could also tell me it's been a month. You know, how are you doing? How's your family doing? How are we doing as we move through this time? It feels like things are lightening up. I hope it continues that way. Um, There has been so much darkness that has been shown through this year. I've definitely gone in and out and around different portals of learning or unlearning that really I probably don't need to share. We're all on our own journey. It's not so much for me the what or the how. It's allowing the unfolding. And that's the hardest part for me personally, the surrender. Really acknowledging that I don't know. I don't know what's happening, nor do you, nor does anybody. So it's been really interesting to watch everyone's triggers, myself included, obviously. (laughs) I'm triggered daily. But it's really been interesting to witness the vitriol and anger and anguish over people mudslinging, truly believing they're right. And, you know, what is right? And what are we basing it off of? And where did you get your information? And who's paying for that information? As I always say, follow the money trail. So I just drew an Oracle Earth Warriors card for us today. And I got Soma from the Galactic Heart, Mayu. And I'm going to read it now. So if you're able in a quiet spot or have your headphones on around your loud toddler hanging off of you if you're lying in bed nursing. Just allow this to wash over you, letting whatever medicine this might bring to you come into your space today, and then allowing for whatever does not resonate with you to gently wash away. No judgment. There's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. It is just what is and what I'm sharing. And if you can, place your left palm on your heart, right palm onto your belly or your womb space. If you're pregnant, connecting your own heartbeat with that of your babies. And just taking a moment to check in with your body. 
for a lot of us, we don't do that, especially as busy moms. We do not check in with our bodies. Like days go by, weeks go by. And what kind of signal is that sending to our bodies? It's telling us, we're telling ourselves that we don't matter. We're not worthy. We don't care enough. So just take a moment to acknowledge exactly where you are today, whether you have injury, whether you have leaking boobs, whether you're bleeding in a diaper, whether you're on your moon and have no energy, whether you have a C-section scar that annoys you, whether you're incontinent and need some pelvic floor support, if you're feeling overweight and not great in your body, you can still love your body. You can still appreciate your body. Your body is ever-changing. It is not stagnant. There's always, always an opportunity for repair and refill and refuel and healthier habits. If you're in a body today that you are loathing, hating, judging, resenting, allow the breath to move through you a little bit deeper. On the inhale, focusing on bringing self-love into your body into every cell as you oxygenate the bloodstream. On the exhale, releasing any negative judgments towards self or others. And just allow that practice to ebb and flow as I read this to you. The Divine Mother's milk of the galaxy is feeding your soul. Expansion of your horizons, your spiritual purpose, and your sacred responsibilities is taking place. Divine potential within you is awakening at a higher turn of the creative spiral of consciousness. This oracle is prophecy of ascension and grace. Your soul has been going through a deep spiritual feeding process and is growing rapidly. The evidence of this is in the outer world, and it is a sense of expansion of opportunity, reach, connections, and new levels of spiritual experiences. This oracle foretells the welcoming in of a new phase in life. Newborn energies and fertility, whether biological, creative, or psychological, are being stimulated. The oracle indicates the discovery, development, and expression of talents. An increasingly public profile, which moves you into the spotlight, can help you fulfill your divine life mission, provided that you keep your inner connection to spirit as the highest priority. The oracle speaks of soul healing around matters of trust, spirit, mother, and abundance. Oh, I love that. I'm going to repeat that. The oracle speaks of soul healing around matters of trust, spirit, mother, and abundance. Mayu, star goddess of the Milky Way, was seen clearly in the skies of the ancient Incas. In Western traditions, the Milky Way is recognized as a metaphor for nourishment and the milk of the heavens. When she appears as an oracle, it is an omen of happiness, satisfaction, and fulfillment. If you develop your spiritual practice, you shall come to experience feeling drunk on divine bliss, like a baby in an ecstasy of complete fulfillment through the mother's milk. When we connect with the galactic heart is a sign of spiritual advancement. We are growing in such a way that our being becomes ready, willing and able to take up more spiritual space in the atmosphere. You will express that spiritual growth in your life according to your talents. If you are a thinker, ideas will become more inspired, expansive, and original. If you are a healer, you will experience the flow of a new quality of divine consciousness through your work. If you are a leader, you will experience a feeling of being overshadowed by something truly great, kind, and helpful, whilst at the same time feeling more fearless, bold, and confident to speak your truth and guide those in your care. Whatever the truth of your soul, encounters with the galactic heart are granted in order to evoke, expand, and empower it upon the earth. 
Some interpretations of the Vedas from ancient India see the Milky Way as the heavenly Soma, the nectar of immortality and the drink of the divine. Soma can feed the soul, but like any food, healthy or otherwise, too much at any given time is hard to digest and can create more harm than good. More divine light and energy is not always better, at least not when we try to take it all in at once. We need to learn when enough is enough to detach from the Divine Mother's breast and rest in contentment and fulfillment of the present moment. To allow ourselves to be spiritually fed, to know when to latch on and when to detach from the inflow of spiritual energy, to allow for the mind, body, and soul to adjust to the increased levels of light and spiritual nutrition and to metabolize that for healing growth. We need to feel trust and surrender into the Divine Feminine. If we have had difficult issues around trust, support, and nourishment as human beings, then clearing those issues through grace so as to be able to receive the heavenly nectar without greed or fear is important. Mayu offers healing of these matters with grace. Digestion and integration allow us to utilize the blessing and become ready for further expansion when it is time to be fed again. We trust that her sacred food will be available when needed. We can learn to rest into all that the Galactic Mother will provide for our soul, growing us into the fullness of our spiritual radiance and maturity. One dose of her extraordinary blessed Soma at a time. For the healing process, say this prayer aloud with one hand on the heart if possible. I invoke the unconditional love of the Galactic Heart and give thanks for all that is good, true, and nourishing of my being on all levels through unconditional love. I surrender with forgiveness and blessing any issue to do with mothering or being mothered, whether too much or too little. I release myself from false guilt, shame, and judgment now. I release the mother figures in my life with forgiveness in my heart, for I no longer wish to hold on to old pain. I acknowledge I am worthy and deserving of nourishment straight from the sacred milk of unconditional love from the Galactic Mother. May all mothers receive healing and guidance, blessing and assistance from the Divine Mother of all souls. With trust, I open myself now to receive what is needed for the ecstatic fulfillment of my own being through Divine Grace. With gratitude, so it is. Wow, that was powerful. I've never pulled this Mayu card. I really needed to hear that today. Thank you. Thank you, Spirit. As you know, I love these cards. The Earth Warriors Oracle Guidebook by Alana Fairchild. I use it daily. So, hi everyone. Today I wanted to talk about sleep. Sleep, sleep, sleep. One of the biggest topics when it comes to motherhood. And there's so many levels to it. And so I will try to stay somewhat linear in this conversation. Um, You know, when I work with specific clients, it's so much easier to really drill down and get clear on what's best for that woman and that family, given all the, you know, circumstances. And I can really see like the whole stratosphere of their life and then in really counsel in that way. So it's a bit hard just to make these, these general conversations by myself as it goes over the waves to your ears. But I did take a little poll on Instagram and wanted to answer a couple of questions. And sleep is an ongoing thing, right? I mean, it's an ongoing issue, I feel like, for every human that's living right now. So it keeps changing. And the one thing that I really want to empower you with today, if you're listening to this, is allowing some grace and ease when it comes to figuring out the sleep. Knowing that each season you're in as a mom with kids of all different ages and stages is going to be fluid or it's going to be changing. So the more fluid you can be with it, the better for everyone involved. And, you know, I do this podcast because I feel like I have a lot of experience to share and this is my dharma it is not because i'm just here liking to hear myself talk this is a real investment of my own money to bring this out into the world from my heart so 
I hope it lands that way. I do not judge anyone in their decisions of what's best for themselves and their family. And no, you know, no two people are the same and nothing looks as it does from the outside. You know, nothing appears as it is from the outside. Certainly not on social media, certainly not on Instagram. I have worked in so many people's homes, clients for almost a decade, and no two families are similar or alike. No two marriages are alike. I mean, there's a lot of faking it going on. Let's just say that. And I want you to be empowered to live your truth so that you are the most fulfilled and you are the most happy that you can be. And that shines to your children and your partner, if you have one, and your family and your parents and the grandparents, and it shines out to everyone. And that's how we really make a radical revolutionary change for womanhood and motherhood. So sleep super important. We get trashed when we don't get sleep. And there is a statistic through Dr. Saralak, who I really love, saying that women, new mothers, lose 700 hours of sleep in the first year. And you don't ever get that sleep back. It's not like, okay, now we get to go to the spa and sleep for a month straight. You know, it doesn't work that way. So really acknowledging that. And if you're pregnant, Allowing that not to scare you, but that's just some really great information to know and hold. And that's why we need support. That's why we need the village. That's why we must, if we can, afford it or figure out ways way ahead of time to be saving for it or aligning with like-minded people that you can start like a little community sharing with each other or babysitting care or, you know, just getting creative on ways that you can get support. And obviously this is a hugely systemic problem. It is you know, a money issue. It is a, oftentimes a race issue. There's so many issues to this. So I'm, I'm also not trying to like overly simplify and just being like, hire help and get sleep. You know, I know it's not that easy. However, what I do want to bring to the table is we can educate ourselves a little bit better and we can push ourselves up to the top of the pyramid. In our culture, there's so much pressure, you know, second you have a steady boyfriend or second you're, you know, when are you going to get engaged? Then you get engaged. When are you going to get married? Then you get married. When are you going to have babies? It's like, give us a fucking minute, you know? And that's just like the most like normal, you know, normative equation, right? And then you're going to love having babies. It's so great having babies, you know? And then, I mean, this happens a lot. Then you have the baby, you get pregnant, you have that whole journey, have the baby. And then everyone likes to tell you how fucking hard it is. And you're like, okay, thanks for telling me all of that now after the baby's here and I'm alone and I have no support. So we all need to get a little bit better about not judging other people. Even if it's like an excitement thing, we're still judging other people's journeys. Like let everyone have their own journey. And I am circling this back to sleep because you can't judge what someone else's needs are, right? Or you shouldn't. I mean, we really shouldn't be judging what someone needs versus what we need because we're all different people with different lifetimes behind us, different karmic lessons in this life. You know, I mean, we're, we're all very different, you know, right? Like that's agreed. So with sleep, my general blanket statement is do whatever you need to do to get your sleep and easier said than done. But that's what it really boils down to. Like whatever allows you, the mom, to get sleep, do that. Oh, the most beautiful hawk just soared by my window. That's my daddy. Hey, dad. Um, yeah. So if that means, it could mean a lot of things. For me, looking back, what that could have meant was going into the guest bedroom and sleeping with my baby would have slept a lot better. Um, that means something different for everyone. That can mean sleep training your kid. So you are sleeping with your partner. That can 
mean sleep training your kids so you can go sleep in another room completely alone. It can mean co-sleeping your entire family for the next 10 years. It can be co-sleeping with your multiples in another room, your multiple kids. Um, It can mean taking turns with your partner sleeping with the kids so then you can flip, you know, you can tag each other out and go sleep solo. There's so many ways to do this. And I wish, and I'm I'm sharing this because I'm also healing myself in talking about this. I wish more than anything that I could go back in time to after the birth of my first daughter, Jemima, and allow myself to sleep how I needed to sleep. And without taking up too much time, I am a very sensitive empath in human design. I have pretty much all open centers. I'm very, very sensitive to other people's energy. I'm very sensitive to light and noise. It's a thing. It's, you know, it could be said it's high maintenance. It's how I'm wired. It's how I've always been. I was hypervigilant as a child. Sleep has always been a hard thing for me. Uh, Insomnia, all of that has been a, a, a really big thing. So for any of you that are listening that have suffered from insomnia for a long time or anxiety or the hypervigilance after having a child, like I'm with you. I see you. I am you. I love you. It's fucking brutal. And I wish I knew this about myself. This was almost a decade ago. I wish I'd had the grace and the knowledge to have this conversation with my husband and say, you know, I I love you. Let's have our cuddle time. But when it comes to sleep, I need to go into the other room with my baby and sleep. That would have been the best thing. What ended up happening, he and I also have different sleep hygiene, meaning he wakes up during the night. And since I have this hypervigilant sensitivity, then I wake up, then I get stressed out, then I can't go back to sleep. And postpartum just wrenched it up times a thousand. So I really didn't sleep well for like three years. And we traveled a ton postpartum. Like, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. And I forgive myself, but it's also like a hard pill to swallow because I just look back with regret. This is kind of one of the biggest things that I look back with regret in my life. I don't have a lot of regret, but this is the one thing because I was trying to fit myself into this little body of what I thought a good marriage looked like, what a good mom looked like, what I needed to be doing. And in so doing, I threw myself under the fucking bus for years. Like I still have PTSD insomnia. I'm so paranoid about not sleeping that it like it does affect my life. Um, I can't travel anywhere without a sound machine. You know, like when we travel, I can't just have us all in one bed. It's a thing. Um, But I also accept it because the sensitivity I have in that realm also makes me good at my job and it makes me a good mom and it makes me really open to a lot in my life and my sleep does suffer. So I just wanted to give you that little backstory so you know where I'm coming from. So Jemima, this feeds into, you know, feeding a little bit, but I'd started around six months, um, no, a little bit before that, I guess. But at six months, I was starting to lose it because I wasn't sleeping. I had a meltdown one day because I'd been so happy in my postpartum, even though I was completely strung out without sleep. I was still young. I was like 33 and so happy being a mom and, you know, my healing went great and my breastfeeding, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I had this one day where I was like, can't do it anymore, can't do it anymore. And that was the day the crib arrived. And my husband stayed home from work and put it together. And we gave her a, a big bottle that night and she slept 12 hours. And I was like, um, yeah, I'll be fucking doing that now. So that's what I did every night. We dream fed with the bottle. I would still have to pump during the night, but that was easy enough. I mean, pumping sucks, but you know, I could handle it. And I should have been getting 12 hours, you know, 12 hours of sleep a night, but I wasn't because I was still in that flight syndrome. My nervous system was ticked over into the flight. So it did take a couple of years to rewire myself and I'm still working on it, but she slept great in the other room in a crib, but I didn't. 
And I just wish now that I had done things differently. But you know what? It is part of the journey. With my second kid, I was so much more relaxed about it all. Um, Both times my husband went back to work the next day. So with the second baby, he slept downstairs. We added another room into our loft apartment and actually put walls up, which was really helpful with the second kid. We actually had some walls and doors to close rooms. So he would sleep downstairs so he could get a really good night's sleep you know, with work. Then my oldest daughter was in her bedroom and the baby slept in bed with me. And that was amazing because I actually slept. I would just roll over and breastfeed and go back to sleep. That really worked for us. I also used the snoo and then I had a little mini crib that I had in my room with her and she slept either in the snoo, in my arms or in the bed with me or in her crib, I guess till about six months or so. Then she went into the mini crib and then we moved the mini crib in with my older daughter at 10 months. And that worked for a little bit. They're almost six years apart. So that wasn't seamless because my older daughter likes to stay up and read with the baby. Like that kind of became a little, a little challenging. Never. Well, I wouldn't say never. We did sleep train a little bit. So, okay, here's another thing. Sleep training. What is it? Sleep training means 10 different things to 10 different people. There's so many books about it, so much advice, so many amazing sleep experts. And I really, if you're listening to this and you have a a new baby, it's worth reading about. It's worth looking up on Instagram, different sleep experts. It's worth looking at the different patterns of time of sleep schedules. You know, all of this is good information, but also be a little bit open with it. You know, like really see what's right for your baby. The book isn't right. Your baby is right. And you and your baby's relationship is right. So really cueing first and foremost, always off the baby mommy partnership. When we put Jemima in a crib, she was tanking up on the bottle. So it wasn't that big a deal. Um, I would let her cry for maybe three minutes, go in, rub her back. She'd cry like another two minutes, maybe. A lot of times she just flat went out. And then it was really fast and easy. She was a great sleeper. She did tons of naps for years. She was my really great sleeper. Goldie was a little bit more sensitive. She's a, She runs a little bit more sensitive to like me with sleep. She quit naps at two and a half. She'll still sometimes sleep in the stroller. But anyway, I'm much more fluid with it the second kid. But I did not really sleep train her. I wasn't into doing the crying. And that just felt intuitive for me. I always kind of joke because sleep training, you know, we get this thought of like, we're going to sleep train and it's fixed and it's done and like we're smooth sailing. That is the biggest load of shit. Sorry to be so crude, but sleep training is kind of evolving the entire time you have children. And some people want to be more strict with it. And that's great. And that works for them. Others want to be super open and fluid with it. That's great. That works for them. We have to also realize a lot of our parenting styles are coming from healing our own childhood trauma. You know, so like you see it, you see the pendulum swing. Like it's so obvious. Like when parents were raised by total hippies, then you see them a lot of the time parenting with much stricter, you know, boundaries and then vice versa. If you had super, super strict parents, you're a lot more easygoing or, or maybe you're modeling the exact same you had, but it's so interesting to like watch the patterns or watch the different patterns too, between you and your partner. And that's a whole thing. But what I always say to couples, especially when I'm talking to both of them is just know When you're in postpartum and even that first year of life, please do not take everything as forever. It is a finite, very rare moment in life. And the foundations that you are setting during that time are really important. And it's not forever. 
it's hard, you know, and it's hard. And I wanted to talk to sleep because I feel like this is one of the things that people aren't really talking about. It's almost like we're ashamed. We're nervous. I certainly felt judged about it myself because um, especially after Goldie and we realized that we were sleeping so much better apart, my husband and I realized that he was actually feeling really stressed out every night because he was stressed that he was going to roll over in bed and wake me up. And then I would be seething next to him, hating him, which by the way, I was. And you know, that doesn't serve anything. That doesn't serve your relationship. That doesn't serve your sex life. It doesn't serve anything. Um, But I definitely felt embarrassed sharing with people that we don't sleep together every night or most nights, or we'll start off together for half the night and then go. And like, I know people have gossiped about, about me. I know people have been like, oh, they don't sleep together. Can't be a good marriage. It can't be a good sex life. You know, what's not a good sex life is when you hate your fucking partner. And if you're not getting sleep and you resent the shit out of them, you don't want to have sex with them. And that's just like a really real, real talk here. So no one else needs to be worrying about my sex life. Thank you very much. You know, like we are doing what we need to do to be the healthiest family unit and we're happy and we're sleeping all really well. So Try just to not let other people's judgments come in because it's so easy to. But when I started being just open with it and sharing, it was unreal how many couples don't sleep well together. How many women are like, oh God, I just want to sleep alone. I'm like, why don't you? You know, like why not do what you need to do to get sleep? Oh, I never sleep because my husband snores all night and like, I just hate it, you know? And I'm like, okay, well, how can you, how can you fix that? Like we're all, we get just so stuck in these like quote unquote right ways to do things. Um, My grandparents slept in separate beds. You know, kings and queens used to have their own bedrooms. Like I actually feel like it's fucking awesome to have your own space. And then you also get to kind of like date each other and be romantic and cuddle and have sex and whatever. And then you can also go back into your own domain and, you know, have your crystals and your pink comforter and whatever else that you want in your own space. So, you know, there's just no right way. And I mean, of course, ideally, I would love to be sleeping with my husband every night and us both sleeping fabulously, but that's just not the reality right now. And I'm I'm sure it can change. But so people ask me all the time, like, what do we do? So we've done everything. So it's hard to nutshell it. But when we moved into this new house, Jemima had her own room. Goldie had her own room in the crib. Went pretty well for a long time. Then when we left last summer to go to Tennessee, I slept with Goldie in my mom's guest room, which is a king, for three months. So when we knew we were coming back, she's so smart. A couple weeks out, she said, Mommy, no more crib. No more crib. I'm not sleeping in a crib. And I was like, yeah, you are. You're going to go back home and you're going to be in your crib that you love. She's like, no, I'm not. And she didn't. (laughs) We got back and we have a day bed in her room. This was kind of like our guest bed for when my mom comes to visit and has a trundle bed. So she just went into the trundle bed part and I would lie in her room until she would fall asleep. And because she was just way more difficult in the falling asleep part um, than Jemima was. You know, she has to hold my hand, I have to rub her back. She hears everything like I do. We're like fucking like bloodhounds or whatever animal hears everything. That's what we are. And we also have stairs in the master bedrooms upstairs. And I just had a lot of fear about her getting up during the night and coming up our stairs, which are not the most kid-friendly. The way it's set up, also, we cannot do a stair gate on it because it's glass on the sides and it's complicated. So I just got in the habit of falling asleep in the bed with her 
you know, like in the top of it and then um, transitioning during the night. But then I just wasn't like getting the best sleep. She'd still wake up. I'd have to come back downstairs, that whole thing. So a lot of nights I would just sleep in there and then that got to be too much. And then COVID hit and I was getting in this habit because she was still napping at that time. Then she wouldn't go to sleep till like 9, 30, 10. And I was just getting fried because I was like, I'm not getting a nap during the day. And then now I'm just so burnt out. And so we cut the nap out. Bedtime became early. Then I was kind of sleeping between her room and Jemima's room. Then Jemima was getting lonely in her room. So then she started sleeping in Goldie's room. And then we, (laughs) Goldie and I were sharing a single. And then Jemima was on the trundle. And it was so funny because my husband was like, we have this house now. And yet you guys are living in like... 50 square feet of it. And then that was starting to feel not cool to me because, you know, also like I don't want to sleep with anyone. Like I, that's a little caveat. Like my dream is a king bed to myself. I don't like to cuddle people to go to sleep. Like at night, I'll cuddle my kids, I'll rub their back. Don't touch me. Like I don't, I don't like to be touched. I don't like to be held when I sleep. Leave me alone. And so then Jemima had a platform bed in her room. We just moved that upstairs to our garage slash office. So that's now an extra, extra guest room. And we have three single beds on Jemima's floor and we're all three sleeping in it. And a lot of times we're all four sleeping in it um, because we read books together and then we all pass out pretty much at the same time. And then David will usually wake up and then he'll go back upstairs. So that's where our sleeping is right now. And just to show you, my oldest one is nine and a half. My youngest one is three and it keeps evolving. Again, I would like to be more upstairs with my husband, but it's also the season we're in. You know, in like a year, Goldie's going to be fine and they can sleep really well together. And then we're going to be in a new phase where Jemima's going to be a tween and then a teenager and is not probably going to want to be sleeping with her little sister. So then we'll shape shift again. Again, but I really want to drive home that however you can sleep and have peace of mind, have peace of mind. Because if you're in your gorgeous, big, cozy bed, but you can't fall asleep because your heart is like really hurting hearing your baby cry or you feel so disconnected from them during the night, look at that. You know, I have so many clients that hire, you know, night nurses for six months and can't sleep because their heart is aching. And it's like, let's look at that. Let's look at that. There's no one right way to do this. And you know best. Your gut knows best. And just remember, everything is a season. You talk to any mom, she will tell you, the second you think you have it figured out, you're in a new stage. The second they start sleeping through the night, guess what? We're going to start teething. It's just the way it goes. And so for me, I finally had to relinquish judgment. And it was really the judgment of myself, the judgment that I was failing as a wife, failing as a mom, not doing it right. But in so doing that, I was failing myself because I wasn't listening to what I needed. I was judging what I needed instead of giving myself the opportunity to give myself what I needed. And I don't want anyone else to do that. I want to empower you to really own it and allow for whatever it is today to be and flow with it. Because you know what? The cliches are true. The days are long. The years are short. And then it's gone, you know? And there's nothing like, for me at least, that soul gazing, skin to skin, that womby postpartum time, those first six weeks, those first three months, milk coma babies, just staring each other's eyes, having a baby sleep on your chest, like so cozy, uninterrupted sleep together is so good for you. It's it's so good for your body and your nervous system. And baby and mama are linked you know, hormonally really, really linked. And so just honoring that. And the more I do think that we come back to the biology of newborn life, the better we're going to be. 
And just know, like, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars on the nursery before baby gets here or even when baby gets here. A lot of times your baby's not sleeping in there for two years. So, like, maybe don't put your money into that, you know? Put your money into some great postpartum care. You don't need a $2,000 glider. You know what worked for us? A bouncy ball. That was our glider. That's all we needed, you know? You don't need a $500 perfect organic rug on the nursery floor, you know? Maybe you need some like really great postpartum healing food delivered to you for that $500. Um, each time when I had my kids, people were like, what are you doing for the nursery? I was like, whole lot of nothing, whole lot of nothing. I have a Moses basket. I have a little crib if I need it. And I have lots of swaddles. That's what we're doing. And I've got my boobs. So the less is more. Motherhood, as we know, is full on. Each new age and stage of our children's development brings vast new lessons, challenges, and victories. It is a lot to hold. And my intention for creating Mom Club is to create a safe and healing space for mothers to gather together. It has been an especially intense time through this portal of 2020, and many of us found ourselves mothering in new ways, working, partnering, showing up for ourselves and each other in completely new ways as we cannot connect as much in person. We need support. We need to sit in circle. We need to feel seen and we need to feel heard. We need to vent and let it go. We need to know that we are in this together, not isolated and alone. So please join us if you are wanting to circle up with sisters, if you're wanting to find your tribe, if you find that you feel isolated or not jiving with your friends or you've moved and you don't have a set of mom friends near you, please join us in this virtual circle where we are co-creating a sacred space for dropping into meditation, having an oracle card read, having a chosen topic discussed each month, as well as plenty of time for Q&A. I want this to be a real community where we can connect and share practitioners and resources, where we can find other women on the call nearby and connect in real life. This is a co-creating a circle of trusted sisters. We will circle up, grab a hot mug of tea, light our candle or incense, and drop in with a listening ear and an open heart. If this sounds good to you, check out my Instagram at Mother the Mother, the link tree in my bio. If you sign up, subscribe, I will send you all the deets for the next mom club. We are rolling it out. We started in December, but now we got the momentum moving through into 2021. So please join us. I'm really excited about this community. It's lit, it's on, and we're doing it. J-Ma. Okay, so some people were asking me specific questions about how to do this co-sleeping and how to get out of co-sleeping when you have older kids that are nursing. Unfortunately, I don't have the answers for you. I weaned my kids a little bit after a year and was not straight up co-sleeping. So I know it can be done. I know it's also really challenging when kids are used to being soothed by your boobs. And I'm not judging that. I think every child is really different and each mother and each mother's nervous system are very, very different. I do think that not always having kids sleep next to you does allow them to learn how to soothe themselves, which can be a great thing. But you have to also like look at the ways you're doing that and and what works for you. And there, I mean, I, I can't cover everything right now because there's just so, there are endless ways you could do it. But I do think that when kids cry, even just for a couple minutes here and there, I don't think that's child abuse. I think it's like anything. It's a way of communication and it's letting off some steam. Do I want to let my baby cry for 30 minutes straight? I don't. And I didn't. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. If that works for you and your baby, then that's your own journey. But 
my kids both are able to self-soothe and I really appreciate that. I am the kind of mom, I'm not, how do I say this? Both of my kids, I mean, we have a very tight bond and very cuddly and very affectionate and very, very in tune and tight with each other. Also, my kids are very independent. They will go off and play for an hour by themselves, you know? I mean, I'm around, obviously, but I would not be a great mom if I had a kid that was clinging on to me 24-7. That would really be hard for my nervous system. I do think healthy attachment helps them be independent in the future, but it's it's a fine line. And again, every child has very different needs. Um, I do think the more in the early years the kids know you're there and lovingly supporting them, but you're not helicoptering them. You're letting them have their own experience. You're letting them fall down. You're letting them get a scraped knee. You're out in nature, letting them get dirty. I think all that stuff is very important. They know you're close. They know you're near. They know they can run to you, but you're you're not bringing your fear and anxiety onto them. And that's a really big thing about kids feeling confident. They see you, they know you're there, but they also have the self-confidence to go out and try things. And that's what we really want, right? We want to be raising people that are loved and secure within themselves, but they have the confidence to go out into the world and live their lives. And when it comes to sleep and the different ways to sleep, there are a lot of theories on that. So, you know, look at, study them. It's really interesting to study all the different ways. But I do know if you look at traditions around the world throughout time, it wasn't about baby being down a long hallway sleeping alone in a room by itself. Like that was not the situation for anybody. And I, I've worked with a lot of couples a lot of families where the mom wants to be co-sleeping with the baby so, so much. And the husband is just really adamant that no, that's not healthy. And um, from what I've witnessed, when mom gives in and makes it a hard line boundary, not listening to herself, resentments grow. And there is, or there can be what I've seen, a bit of a cord cut between mom and baby if it's super early. So just something to be aware of, you know. Having these difficult conversations sooner than later and allow, you know, both parts of the couple to be seen and heard and how you can maybe work towards a compromise or just work through it knowing that it's a finite amount of time. But it just does break my heart when I see people making decisions out of what they should be doing over what their intuition and mother's gut tells them to do. Yeah. So I feel like there's so many ways to do it. And I'm here. You can always reach out if you have specific questions about your own journey and your own situation. And and really honoring, like I said before, your own nervous system. For some moms, they do not feel comfortable co-sleeping with their babies. And I think it's always good to look at why. Where's that coming from? Is it from movies? Is it from a girlfriend of yours? Is it from your own mom? Is it from your mother-in-law? Like looking at why you have the feelings you have, which I think is good for all of us, you know, to know why we are feeling the way we're feeling. Um, And then see if it's yours and see if it's not yours. And then you can make a really informed decision from there. And for some mothers, the best thing they can do is for their mental health is feed with a bottle and not have babies sleeping on them or next to them. And, you know, do you. My whole thing is I just want you to really make your own grounded decision and knowing why you're making that decision. That's all I ever care about in working with my clients. I want you to have done the research and then to really connect with you and your baby exactly where you are right now and let that be. Let that be how it rolls out. So I'm sending love out to all of you. Sleep is not easy. It continues to change and shift. 
and sometimes kids are going through major new developments. I have really loved using homeopathic remedies. We use homeopathics for a lot of our, I guess, medicinal tools, way above anything pharmacological or over-the-counter. And I am no doctor, like we all know that, right? But the things that I love have been Calm's Forte. I take that for myself. Um, They also have ones for kids, or you can just half it or quarter it for your kid. That's been super helpful for my entire family. And then I also have been using the Alexis Smart Kids Dream Boat at night. It's a flower remedy, and that has been working amazingly well for both of my kids. So, you know, try some things if you're having sleep issues, if your kids are having sleep issues. Uh, Massage can be really great. Having pillow talk with our kids, especially this year, especially this year, kids are getting the brunt of this fear. And, you know, there's that saying, kids are so resilient, kids are so resilient. And on one hand, yes, but how often has that been said? And then we have adults living with so much trauma from their childhood. So I think we have to be very cautious with using that as a band-aid of like, yeah, this shit sucks, but they're going to be fine. It's like, "Mm, how are we parenting during this time? Are we overstimulating them every day? Are we just shoving them in front of screens so we get our, you know, a little bit of free time for ourselves? Like really looking at our own behaviors um, because what I'm seeing and hearing about is a lot of anxiety skyrocketing with our children. And I get it, especially if you're watching mainstream news or television, I get it. It's all fear mongering. So allowing your kids to be kids, I think allowing natural conversations. I'm very honest with my children and I'm also very aware of not sharing things that they don't need to know about right now for their age. That is fear or scary or that I know could possibly induce anxiety. You know, that's not serving any of us. With my older one, I know like pillow talk for us, that's when a lot of her stuff will come out. And so creating that time together where I can rub her back or just lie in the dark and listen to her and not try to guide the conversation, but just let her share what she wants to share. And that's really been helping because for us, I see my kids are so happy. They're really happy kids. But what I see is at night, the restlessness to go to sleep is some anxiety that needs to be released. So just being mindful, you know, doing the things, rubbing the hands, rubbing the feet. You can do essential oils, do warm baths at night. Um, warm oil body massage is amazing. Rubbing the head, drawing the face, all of that. Winding down, having a good hour, hour and a half wind down at night. Read lots of stories. All of those things help. And you're doing it. I see you. Thank you for being here. We're all learning and growing. And even though it feels scary and fucked up right now, I truly, truly believe that we are changing for the better. Our eyes are opening to things that we need to be seeing, to truly be seeing. And we have the opportunity to heal ourselves now and really step into it and really take ownership. Like it's our responsibility to heal ourselves, it's our responsibility. And as adults, We are triggered when we have kids because the stuff that is not healed will come up. I'm telling you, when you have children, everything that is not healed within you will come up. So invest in yourself. Do the work. It's so important for yourself and for your kids. And we can create such a better world for them. 
I see it. I hold that vision every day. And we're doing it one by one. We're doing it in our own homes. We're empowering ourselves. We're helping other sisters, other friends, community members then see it and can model it and own it themselves. And that's where this ripple effect comes. Sending so much love out to all of you today. Jayma. My signature Mother the Mother coaching sessions support your journey through womanhood and motherhood in mind, body, and spirit. These coaching sessions meet you where you are now with the aim of where you want to go. Whether you are entering into a new relationship, you're wanting to conceive, you're newly pregnant, approaching your birth in the midst of your postpartum shift, or a mother needing to reclaim her space, or maybe needs a little bit of extra help handling the demands of motherhood, I'm here to support your intentions and your goals. My expertise lies in helping you empower yourself as you deepen into your innate knowing. I'm here to help you align and remember. Through a spiritual yet grounded lens, I help you navigate the topics that arise in transiting through the ages and stages of life, and especially when bringing new life earthside. We are not meant to travel from maiden to mother alone. We need support, we need education, and we need guidance. My intention is to support you, the mother, as you mother. In our society, we are often taught to look outside of ourselves for the answers, and I am here to help you turn inward to find the answers you already possess. If you are interested in working together, please email me or you can go to the link tree in the bio on Instagram at Mother the Mother, or you can email me McLean at MotherTheMother.com and we can schedule a free discovery call to see if this is the right time in your life for this kind of coaching. What I do know is 2021 is now the time to go big, to manifest and envision the lives we want to be leading, the kinds of mother we want to be showing up as, the kind of life we want to bring forward. So I'm here to support you, to guide you, to be here on the path with you. We are in it together, always sending love. Jema.